0: Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast. The combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at facebook.com slash blog. and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez.
1: Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 255 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez, And today we have a lot to talk about. We do have a few salacious headlines, but we've got, wow, this, this two week span of fights from last week going all the way into this weekend have been insane, but we have a Bellator slash rising card, a full on rising card. We have a tremendous UFC card. We've got Crawford versus Spence. we just had um, Stephen Fulton losing his ass to um, Nioya in way last night or early this morning, I get everything so confused. My days are running together, but man, this has been a run of combat sports and I am loving it because after the, the previous several months where the only, the only thing we were getting really outside of a random good card, good pay-per-view is a bunch of watered down shit. I mean, even this London card was not a performer.
2: Yeah, it didn't seem the, like the most inspiring uh, event, although I, it was, see, and that's the thing, right? I mean, it was better than some of the more recent things that we'd had on offer from the UFC, but is that really saying much? I don't know, you know, but it was at least more relevant than and it was a full event, not um, not an Apex card, but... Still not anything like what we're ready to um, embrace for this weekend, which is hopefully uh, going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I don't see how you could fuck this up. This looks amazing.
1: Indeed. Now, to kick us off, I asked Twitter to give me something to set the tone ...of the show to ask you. And I could not help but love this response from It's Not Cage Fighting. If you're looking for him on Twitter, that's his handle. But his uh, his actual at is In Cage Fighting. So he said, Did you ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he'd put on a dress and play a girl bunny?
2: No, you know what? I never did. I I never. I I guess that's kind of that. There's um, there's a particular strain of comedy from that era, and it was much more prevalent in Latin America, where it lasted a lot longer. Where just you get the ugliest dude possible to dress up as a woman, and the joke was, look at this hideous man playing a woman. And I don't know. It it was. it, It just. I guess maybe that was kind of the, the whole vibe that I got because, you know, I grew up watching Porcel and all this other shit. So I see Bugs Bunny. I'm thinking that's what they're going for because, I mean, seriously, who would? I'm a pervert, but I got some fucking standards. <laughs> I don't know how you're seeing that and thinking, yeah, go Bugs. No, 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 come on. Nah,
1: but nah. But what about Jessica Rabbit?
2: Okay, but that's different though. Jessica Rabbit was designed and made specifically to be appealing as a actual human woman, you know, or at least a a, a something that would approximate that, despite being a cartoon character. So in that case, but that's she's different a than rabbit like,
1: cartoon character. She is not a human girl. She, she has fur. And she did. She has fur. I mean, it's implied, oh. isn't it?
2: I don't remember I don't remember her having fur at all.
1: I just assume that she has fur because she's a rabbit, right?
2: No, no, no. Jessica Rabbit was Roger Rabbit's wife. She was the, the one with the long red dress. Right. She was Wasn't like she, she a was a human. Though? I assume that the name Rabbit was, you know, because she was taking oh. her husband's name, Roger.
1: Okay. See, I had that all wrong. I assumed that her hair was just long red ears, that her skin was just, you know, fur.
2: No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: I want her to be a rabbit, damn it. Yeah,
2: well, that would be, I'm sure there's a lot of very confused dudes that beat off to her way back in the day that if you told them, oh, no, she was actually a rabbit, they, they wouldn't they, care. They would, they'd I, be like, yeah, man, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't I don't think I'm going to keep listening to this podcast where this woman destroys my childhood dreams. I don't like this right <laughs> here.
1: So if she were a rabbit, would, would you pick her? <laughs>
2: I didn't beat off to her, if that's what you're asking. No, I'm good.
1: Oh, no, I'm not asking.
2: Sorry. I, I, no, I, I draw the line at cartoons, gone, among other places. I got standards. What the hell?
1: We have gone way off the reservation, right off the bat. Oh, Thanks. no,
2: no. We're staying here. I like this. now. Nah, okay, fine. <laughs> one, two,
1: one. Thanks a lot there, uh, not cage fighting. All right, so- We are going to go into something a little more serious, and that is Sean Strickland. Now, he started off the week with some actually good comments about title contender pay and how it's not all that, how that he understands that the UFC doesn't pay LeBron James money. I mean, he literally said, come on. This is the UFC. There is no LeBron James money. That's what he told Helen Yee word for word. He then expanded a little bit and said that the money was good enough to maybe get a lift kit for your truck or (laughs) enough to upgrade a Hyundai Accent. And that's, that's good stuff because it's truth. He's ending the week terribly. And the reason why I'm saying that And it's actually, you know, just the middle of the week, but I feel like this is an ominous cloud to go into the weekend with this story. And it is that he has targeted Kevin Lee's little brother, Keith Lee, and Mm -hmm. has said that he's a racist, Now, Keith Lee took great offense to this, and I would have as well. And he mulled it over for a solid week before he did his own video response. And he laid out all the details. He called on video two people from the gym that were present during this conversation. But what it all boils down to is about a month, I mean, excuse me, a year ago, Keith Lee was training in the same gym that Sean Strickland was in. And there was a conversation going on amongst gym members and Sean Strickland was there and Kevin Lee came into the conversation, but the conversation was already about race. So Keith Lee comes in and he gives his, uh, his opinion and Sean Strickland being the person that he is, he's come out recently and, said this conversation that happened over a year ago that keith lee said that he didn't like white people that that oh he said that in the conversation keith lee says that that never happened he also said that um that the conversation um had already begun but the way sean strickland tells it that Keith Lee came up to uh, a group of guys and just immediately started talking about racism. And that, you know, according according to Keith and the people that he called on video that basically backed up his story. And you could tell that these were cold calls. It wasn't like he had (laughs) these things prearranged or anything like that. And, I mean, it just seems like a lot of effort, you know? So I I believe more what Keith Lee is saying than, than what Sean Strickland says, because Sean Strickland is, for lack of a better term, he is crass and abrasive and seems to be the guy that wants attention on him in any way, fashion or form. And it doesn't matter how he gets it. And so when Keith Lee released this video, I don't think... Sean Strickland had any idea of the mass following that Keith Lee has, but one of the things that really bothered me that Keith said was that it was adversely impacting him and his family, that he was getting threats, that he was having to delete hundreds of comments from his TikTok because they were race-based. And it's ugly. It's it's awful. And it's all because Sean Strickland needed to find a target. And he seems to like to find targets that people universally like so that he can pick them apart. And I think that is just ooh, a bridge too far for me.
2: Here's my thing. And I want to walk into this thing. I, I gotta I gotta set this thing up first, right? There is a problem in which Pointing out that someone or something is racist for certain segments of the population is worse than being racist. What do I tell you guys every, every couple of weeks? What do I say all the time? What is the national pastime in this country? It's not baseball. It's moving the goalposts as it relates to racism. Now, listen, I got to say that up front because what qualifies and what doesn't qualify for racism is not exactly something that I would trust Sean Strickland of all people To be the most enlightened person about. Now, I don't know the particulars of the conversation that was taking place at the time with Keith and whoever else was there and all this other shit. However, if we're going to look at who has a better track record, not necessarily for truthlessness, but just being more rooted in reality, it's probably Keith. And I'm not saying that Sean was lying necessarily. I think he's not a particularly smart guy. He may, may very well have just not interpreted things properly. Or not understood things, uh, you know. Maybe he just, you know, took umbrage to whatever was being said and just, you know, just went off from there and is painting it in that from from that perspective. I don't know how much purchase I'm willing to lend a motherfucker though, when he admits that he was part of white supremacist gangs in his youth, and now he's out here talking about racism. And being offended it you, know, like that is that's the thing. Because if it were anybody else, you'd be like, all right, well, let's explore this any further. But like when it comes to like, oh, Sean Strickland accused somebody else of being a racist, that's kind of a non starter for me. Like I'll pay attention because I have to. But if this was something that didn't concern the circles in which I navigate, I'd just drop it and keep walking. I would seriously, I just like, you know what? I'm not even going to delve any further into this. I'm good. And that's that's kind of how I'm feeling about this whole situation. I, I really don't – it's not even so much a matter of picking sides. It's a matter of looking at the two sides and looking at their trajectories, looking at what they're bound to do. Keith hasn't given us any reason to doubt him as of now at least or up until now. I, I just don't understand why. Why this is such a weird thing to pick on a guy who wasn't even fighting, who was signed to Bellator when he was fighting. And all he's doing right now is spreading positivity and doing food reviews. What what are we doing here? Why are you fucking with him? It's It seems more likely to me that Strickland just wants to pick at anybody in anywhere that he can, and this is what you end up with. Just no focus.
1: You know, one of the things about Strickland that makes me think that this is manufactured is the way that he continually uses race when he speaks to Helen Yee. I cannot stand all the Chinese jokes about, you know, that uh, Asians eat dog and things like that. I cannot stand.
2: Oh my fucking God. He's still doing that. He's just awful.
1: I, I just cannot stand him. And it's, it's hard for me to, to reconcile any of his fighting ability with his horrible personality. And I'm sure if, you know, if he heard me say this, he'd have a ton of things to say to me and about about me, and guess what? I really don't care.
2: No, we shouldn't. <laughs> you know, we he's shouldn't. not
1: the kind of person that I would ever rub elbows with, anyways. But to be in a public space and have quite a following, and throw an accusation like that out—suppose—and this happened a year ago. Why is he just randomly grabbing this and telling? telling interviewers how he quote fucking hates keith lee that little fucking racist that's what he said keith lee is he strikes me as nothing but a kind person and i have noted and because i follow him uh i have noted that he doesn't care What establishment he's at, he takes recommendations, whether it be a white establishment, a black establishment, an Asian one, um, anything like that. He just goes where the food is and where the recommendations are. So I don't even get how this conversation that supposedly happened a year ago is suddenly relevant now. Why drag that up if it even happened, which I don't think that it did.
2: And if it did, I don't think it happened the way that that, that he's painted. That's think the thing. He,
1: I believe Keith Lee when he says, I did not say that. I believe him when he calls people that were part of the conversation. And they also, one of the guys was like, I don't recall it being that way. And I don't recall you ever saying that. He never came out and said, you did not say that. But to the best of his recollection, they're trying to be honest. They're not making that line in the sand and saying, oh, Keith, did, absolutely you didn't. Say it. He. That's why I believe <sighs> these people because they're not doing that. They're saying, you know, I don't remember you saying that at all. But they're not yeah. making a, a total declarative there.
2: And that's where it gets tiresome because now we're just doing this back and forth. Mm-hmm. Did he say it? Didn't he say like what? What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like th- there's no reason for this to even be a thing. But but it, it is. It, and it's it's you got a you got a guy who's a very public figure who is now going to be a title challenger. Who's going to be getting so much more airtime? Mm, and
1: and he's affecting someone's business, his life, his family. Yeah, they're getting they're getting threats of violence. That is horrible, yeah. and that is all rooted in Sean Strickland. He has uprooted this guy's life pretty much. That's Crazy. awful, and there was no need for it. No. All right. Next up. On my list, I couldn't help but want to talk a little bit about John Jones, Tom Aspinall, because I don't even want the Stipe fight anymore. <laughs> I want Aspinall in there ASAP. I don't even want Aspinall to go fight Sergey. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see Aspinall and John Jones right off the bat. I, I know that I should probably save this for a little bit later, but I, I don't want to save it for later. I want to talk about it right fucking now.
2: You sounded disgusted. I don't want to see a fight. I just, no, forget it. Stepe, no, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. It's not that I don't like Stepe. I love Bay You, don't, you don't
2: need to apologize. You're, this no, fight I get right it.
1: here. Man, Aspinall looks so good in there.
2: He did. He looked sensational, yes. and uh, that's that's the thing that happens with recency bias, right? Like these guys look like a million bucks, and you're like, well, shit. What if you fought this guy? Or what if he did that? Like, damn, man, it, it it would be it would be a cracker, man. It'd be a tremendous fight. I'd love to see it. Um, I don't know that that's something we're gonna get, but um, I I will. John Jones stick around. He's already got a dance partner, unless stipe slips on a banana peel you know somewhere between now and the time they're supposed to fight uh you know hey you you we, we might still get it i don't think i'd like the circumstances that are around, surrounding that but um yeah man that's the thing that's the thing man there's very few heavyweights that are able to simply dazzle you these days and 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 here comes tom aspinall after his lengthy hiatus Returns to the sport, has to take another break due to injury, comes back, and he looks like a million bucks against a very tough guy. Very hard to finish, uh, Tabora. Uh shit. I I I don't <laughs> I don't know what you do with the guy next. He's got to be next in line, man. He's gotta be next in line. There can't be nobody else.
1: You know, in boxing, there's a term "step aside money," yeah, and a, a title challenger, like a mandatory, can be offered step aside money to so that you know a bigger name can, can get in their inbox instead. Mm -hmm. And I love that concept. Now there, there are some people that literally make careers off step aside money. I don't like that aspect, but at times like this, I wish that concept were available in the UFC because I would totally advocate for Stipe taking some step aside money so that we can get (laughs) Aspinall in there because I would absolutely love it. But that's they it. don't
2: they don't even want to pay the guys the money they're pay, they're promising them in their contracts. You think you're gonna pay a motherfucker to not fight? Get the fuck <laughs> I remember Chill Sonnen said something about this earlier. Who was oh fuck, I can't remember. And I was talking about this to somebody the other day, like now three days ago. Fuck, I can't. I, oh, Chael Sonnen was like, well, the rumor is that they're paying this guy good. So I'm step aside. My, I'm like, well, see, that's how I know you a Motherfucking liar. And that's how I know that he was trying to get back into the good graces of the UFC. Congratulations, Chael. He's back in the booth this weekend. Have fun.
1: Speaking of um, good graces and not good graces, man, what the heck was Luke Thomas on about?
2: Oh, my fucking God. My man needs to do a Mea culpa for that Mea culpa. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I did. But when you, the moment you start talking about like, well, mask mandates were were not, uh, not effective. It's like, you know, buddy, we've been at this for three years now.
1: But he did give you it got... the caveat. If you had the the K95 <clears throat> or the N95, those masks worked. Well, when the mask mandates came out. They actually recommended that you get the one or two, one of those two types.
2: They did, yes, because and, they were much more effective. But, it, yeah. but if
1: you couldn't, you know, anything was better than nothing. Right. And it continually changed because information changed, as it does when we're fighting a pandemic we know nothing about.
2: You got to look at it this way: Why did this country struggle so much and have so many more deaths Trump. than? than anywhere else. It wasn't just one person. It doesn't help that you've got a president mm-hmm. that says, oh, it's fake. Oh, it's a Chinese weapon. Oh, it's whatever. It'll go away on its own. Maybe we can inject bleach. Maybe sunlight could be used. When you have someone like that running the country and a whole bunch mm-hmm. of people trying to placate them. Yeah, sure. I can see where that doesn't. But you didn't really need that for people to be distrustful of government and of the scientific community. You didn't really need that for people to you know, dismiss uh, evidence that's right there. I mean, look, what was the number one thing that, I don't know about you, I, I kept hearing people saying like, I don't trust that vaccine, they made it too fast. Oh, you're a specialist in vaccines now? Mm-hmm. You you, you got to stop watching. Like The polio vaccine took longer because guess what, motherfucker? They didn't have the same testing that we have now. They didn't throw the same kind of money, resources, and time, nor did they have the ability to share information instantaneously the way we do now. That is what aids... Scientific research and allows for things like this to happen. The question should not be, why did this vaccine get done so quick? The question should be, why aren't more of them done in the same way? But fine. Look, I don't, I, part of me doesn't really want to make too much of a judgment on this because I didn't see the whole video and I know that wouldn't really be very fair to Luke. But two things look at the people that are cheering you on mm-hmm. and tell yourself if that's the company that you want to be around. That's number one. Number two, A lot of us lost people. Mm -hmm. A lot of us really like, I didn't, I'm grateful I didn't lose any close relatives. You know, I, people that, that I knew from my older neighborhoods, you know, those folks, but people lost a lot. Over a million people in this country died and we don't talk about that shit. You know, we don't really, we don't reflect how that happened. We just kept everything moving. Sports came back on and we just pretended that nothing was ever even a thing. And that's what I'm really disappointed in. I, I what what upsets me about this is that Luke is a very smart guy. And 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 he fell with something here that it seems to me very um how should I put this? This this was this was not I don't think this was him applying those smarts in the best of ways.
1: Two days before, literally forty-eight hours before this video. He had another video out and it was the exact opposite. He was going in on COVID deniers and and mask mandates and things like that. Someone put out that he had this massive turnaround because maybe Showtime um, said, hey, that was a little bit too incendiary. Can you turn this around? Now, I don't know if that's what happened. And I, I am a big fan of Luke's. I'm not a fan of this post or this whole train of thinking. I'm not a fan of him starting off the conversation saying that it was an interesting concept broached by Jake Shields and saying something to the effect that I, you know, a lot of you don't respect Jake Shields, but you got to respect what he did in the cage or something along those lines. And
2: I was, what is that fucking quality. Yeah.
1: And so anyways, the point I'm making is, is that, You giving Jake Shields, of all people, any kind of platform like that is just, again, it's just way out in left field, especially Mm. for Luke. I mean, this did not seem like Luke Thomas. I felt like he got body snatched. And for him to have the talking points that he had and not fully examine them the way that Luke Thomas normally does... To, to talk about masks not being effective and blah, 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 and the the, the the research not being effective and blah, blah, blah. If it hadn't been for the vaccine, which science believes is about 91% effective, just imagine how many more people would have died without the vaccine. But I was just <clears throat> floored when I watched I, that video. You could have knocked me over with a feather.
2: I, I remember I was watching first. Well, this is back when when Bill Maher was still you know tolerable to watch and still somewhat funny. Uh, he was arguing with a guy from the CDC. They were discussing the flu vaccine, and they were like, "Well, you know, it's only twenty five percent effective." And what I wish the guy had told him in response, because I don't think they ever got to that, was, "You got a country of three hundred and fifty to three hundred and seventy million people. Twenty five percent of that is better than zero percent of that, and the flu." kills motherfuckers every year and we don't talk about that either we talk about deaths through gun violence heart attacks not much else but that's the thing that's the thing right there i mean you you cannot discount things like this and these are the people the people that are that are discounting. i went up and down looking at the people that were uh you know celebrating luke's statement and whatnot if that's what you want to call it and it's like yep Yep. 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 Down the line. So many of these people like, oh, I'm so glad he saw truth. Nah, man. Nah, that's fucked up. And listen, the next time we get when we get another pandemic and believe me, we are going to get more of these, this is not ever going to be over. Um, we're we're going to have, we're going to have more misinformation. I got to know what exactly it is that he's going to do or say when that happens. I, I hope he doesn't treat it the same way that he's treating this shit now.
1: And he has quite a following, which is a little more depressing, you know? And again, I'm not trying to um, take Luke to task or anything like that. I I just have to express a bit of disappointment because someone that I hold in very, very high regard kind of. I don't know. I, he kind of let me down and it's not his job to to keep himself propped up in my eyes either. So Luke, if you're listening, I'm not trying to say that either. I'm just saying it was kind of depressing to, to watch your video.
2: I would say, please, please reconsider. Exactly. That's what I would say. That's that all is, it is, man. Like you, you, you yes. I, 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 I kind of get what you're trying to do, but buddy, no.
1: Yeah. I, I would, uh, Wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. Please reconsider your stance. Now, I want to go back to the London card for a moment. Because one pervading thought for me was that this London card was pretty much awful. Now, the main card had some moments. But you had moments amongst unranked people like we always do. I liked... Very few of the fights, like Molly McCann's fight. I didn't even like that. Um, not because Molly lost or anything like that, but because Molly is woefully inept on the ground. And she got mauled when she shouldn't have been mauled that that quickly, that effectively, that easily. The fight with uh, Paul Craig was decent. I liked that fight. I was not expecting Paul Craig to be able to to do that at 185. The weigh-ins, my God, he looked emaciated. Him talking about bouncing back and forth between 185 and 205, I don't know if that's a smart idea, especially for his body, because he is not Mm. young anymore. Mm -mm. He is in his late 30s. So we have to examine that a little bit uh, as far as Paul Craig's team and and think to yourself, do we want to put his body through that? Should we talk him down from this and tell him either stay at 185 or stay at 205? I don't like the bouncing back and forth thing. And then I, I have one more thought and then I'm going to let you weigh in on all of it. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel Wood, Andre Feely. I don't know why this was escaping me so much. That fight was bonkers. I really, mm-hmm. really liked that fight. Listen, I watched it twice because I I wanted to see what
2: he, the <laughs> Me up, the
1: uproar was. And you know what? When I watched it the second time, I actually gave all three of the rounds to Nathaniel Wood. Did you do the same?
2: I don't. I think i i gave i gave Philly one of the rounds. I can't remember which one.
1: See, I didn't. But... I when I watched it second time and really took my time watching it, not tweeting at the same time. Blah blah blah. I f- could see it all three rounds for Nathaniel Wood. There was no problem with that score whatsoever for me. None. So
2: I don't have a problem with that score either. I mean, I was just a, that was just that was just a far more thrilling fight than what I expected, and that's great. I, I was just I was just happy that the fight was that good because we had to sit through some pretty uh, not great stuff at yeah. some points in that fight, and that was. Um, that was that was a nice uh, sigh of relief that we had that should have been the co-main event Mm -hmm. i understand the box office appeal that they feel that molly mccann has you know the feel-good story the home girl the hometown girl getting some shine but i I, that's we're we're gonna get to that later on it's just that's that's probably not what they should have gone with um there were some fun things earlier but other than that, no, 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 no.
1: We're actually not going to get to it later on. This is our discussion of that that event right here. Okay. Um, probably one of the worst fights on the card. Far as I am defeating Jai Herbert, that was a slog to watch. Wow.
2: That was pretty rough, yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> they can't all be winners, you know? But even still, it's like you got two guys that are pretty exciting to watch. They've got some great finishes. Math don't always play out that way, man. It's just, that's just how these things go, you know? J- uh, Johnny Parsons, Danny Roberts, I did not expect it to be as good as it was. That was thrilling, but man, that Jamal Pogues and Mick Parkin fight that slammed the brakes, that ground everything to a halt so mm. badly after things that started off fairly well. Mm. And uh, I, I well, I, I... it
1: started off with one good fight, or actually two good fights. The first right. two were ah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna say uh, one good fight. There we had uh, Jafel Filio defeating yeah. daniel Barres, and then it was slog 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 and then we get to
2: um well i don't know chris duncan looked good i mean it wasn't the most fun fight but he like you know but he, he like put some I'm, shine there
1: that's the point i'm making it wasn't the yeah. most fun fight that's where i'm g- going with this yeah. these fights were awful most of them i didn't want to watch them and if you were to show these to a casual they wouldn't want to watch them either mm-hmm. the, the, the the whole thing is is that Not all London cards are built the same. Now, you go back a year ago to the London card, it was phenomenal. You go to the London card before that, phenomenal. But they're not all built the same, especially on this ESPN contract where they can have 15 fights with 30 fighters and only have two fucking ranked fights on it and six fighters overall out of 30 that are ranked for a London card outside of the Apex. And another thing that I noted about this is they too knew what they were doing as far as this card and how weakly they stacked to the lower end because they put very little promotion into this London card. Did you not notice a difference in the way they promoted last year's London card and the way they did this year's?
2: Not really. I mean, they they could easily say that they've offset it by how they promoted it in Europe and in the U.K., but as far as for us, the viewer, no, nah, I didn't really see it. This just felt like another run-of-the-mill event. That's like It I'm really s- felt like it was going to be another Apex card.
1: Right. What I'm saying is, did you notice a difference in the way they promoted this one and last year's? london card well, which was massive well that's what well i'm saying promoted. yeah
2: this 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 just felt like a like an afterthought before yeah. it was even there it felt like an apex card right despite it being an arena card which the london events
1: okay never i never understood what you were trying to say there but yeah. yes that was that is the exact point i'm trying to make is that it felt like an apex card it yeah. really did and not even their their name value at the top, which would be Aspinall and McCann. And, and to some degree, Nathan would. Not, they couldn't even save this. Uh, Paul Craig's from Scotland. Yes, he gets that uh, that that side of the UK pop. But I just, I was not feeling like this was our typical London card, even going into it. And maybe, and somebody made a, um, a post, and I can't remember who it was. But somebody said, maybe it's time to look at other venues outside of London. Let's go somewhere else. Do we have to always go to London? Can we go, let's go to Scotland again. We haven't gone to Scotland in a while. Let's uh, let's take a card back to Ireland. We haven't gone back to Ireland in a while. There are other venues in Europe that you can look at.
2: Yeah, I mean, the closest we'll have to that is going to Paris soon in, what, September, I think? Yeah, then that's, you know, but that's I I think they're not they're probably not going to have too many British fighters or Scottish or Irish guys there either. mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know.
1: I think more of more of what I'm trying to get to is their UK cards need need better something. I don't know something. Maybe it all comes down to promotion and marketing and lack thereof. I don't know. But this card didn't seem right going in and it certainly didn't turn out right in practice so anyways that's the only other fight i wanted to to briefly brush on was bruna brazil defeating shauna bannon shauna bannon is not ready for the ufc in any shape or form at all
2: yeah this might have been one of those um Mm. You know, I'm I'm glad she gets the, the the step up, but I don't know that she's really ready. Maybe it was this performance, maybe it was this this particular fight. Uh, didn't look great. Didn't really look like the sort of. Um, I mean, look, she, her fights in Invicta in and elsewhere, she clearly is not a finished product. I don't think this is one of those things where, like, well, she's never going to amount to anything. And I know that's not what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, I don't want anybody hearing this thinking that we're uh, simply going to dismiss her out of hand based off of this one performance. But it I is am. a very concerning performance.
1: I am. Uh, I'm totally well. dismissing her. Because
2: well, I'm I mean, s- she's got room for improvement. She could do something. She's but 30 gotta-
1: years old.
2: She's, she can still improve. Some people somewhat, do it.
1: But I don't think she will improve enough to be UFC caliber, period. She needs to go back to Invicta. That's mm. that's my t- thoughts, my take. I don't care what anybody else says. She is not ready for the UFC, and I don't think she will be. She is not a natural athlete either. Well. Uh, I, that, I know that's harsh, but – um. I'm putting it out exactly as I see it. And I don't have any ill will towards Shauna Bannon either. I was high on her. I picked her going in. I'm not mad at her for losing either. I just was able to see quite clearly that she has a very low ceiling inside Hmm. the UFC. She should definitely get back to the regionals if she plans on improving because you cannot improve inside the UFC if you're given basically what they considered a softball opponent for her and she lost her ass in that fight
2: mm. so anyway. where do we go where does molly mccann go from here is what i want to i know.
1: would like to see molly go to I don't, hang on. Let's, let's look at Molly realistically here. So I'm pulling up her record. Okay. She lost to Yulia Stolyarenko, who was a gimme opponent for her. Erin Blanchfield, there's no shame in that loss. She beat Hannah Goldie, as she should have. She beat Luana Carolina, as she should have. She beat Jeon Kim. That's a good win. I picked Jeon Kim going into that. She beat... She okay, that those are her wins inside the UFC. Uh no, she also beat uh Diana Belbita. Uh, that's easy enough to do. Diana Belbita is terrible. Ariane Lipsky, that's a good win. Priscilla Cashwara that's a good win. She lost to Jillian Robertson, though. So there's definitely a ceiling here for McCann as well. And it looks to be about the Jillian Robertson, Tyler Santos, and now Yulia Stolyarenko level. Because going into this fight, Yulia was, my goodness, she had in her five fights previous to Molly, she had only a single win. And that was over Jessica Rose Clark. She was coming off of a loss, just like Molly was going into this fight. She had lost to Chelsea Chandler.
2: Okay, here's a counterpoint. This is her. This is Julia's eleventh win by armbar. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is not a fighter that on paper was like a more complete version of anything that Molly was going to be able to run through. Like this is just a very savvy submission grappler who knew where her bread and butter was. She did what exactly what she needed to do. She used her striking to get inside and grab a hold of her, use that body lock takedown and then start working her from there. And clearly McCann's deficiency, her her poison is going to be on the ground. Um I'm I'm going to
1: counterpoint your counterpoint. Okay. All of her arm bars were against absolutely awful competition because I'm looking at their records. I am not putting any stock into those arm bars, especially most of them being exhibitions from, you know, Tough or whatever. I, I will actually book in this with she lost to Lucci Pudalova of all people.
2: Come on. Yeah, Pudilova did come... She did have a bit of an upswing afterwards, so I don't know.
1: I just... So, listen molly has super limited ce- ceiling that that's that's the point we're both going towards am i right
2: mm, mm. come on i don't know about that
1: and and as far as uh putalova's upswing after yulia stolyarenko she went on a four fight losing streak in the middle point there amazingly um in the ufc i mean her her wins have have picked up and improved greatly but i mean she just lost to joseline edwards <laughs>
2: I mean, I this is the part of the division that's a mess. Mm-hmm. Like this is the part when I talk about middleweight, you have the elite, then the miasma in the middle. This is what you have here right now. And it's kind of like I, I don't know how much further really we can go with it or where you adequately match anybody at this point, because it's like, all right, now Stolyarenko, is this sign, is this a sign of her finally turning things around and doing that's better?
1: That's a good question, right I here. don't know.
2: I mean, I'd love to see her against Jillian Robertson just for purely seeing yes. you know two grapplers go at it. You know, I'd like to see that. But I other than that. that, I don't know. Like, you don't want to move her up too much because, you know, she's still got some progress to make and some moves to, to, to improve here. So
1: I like I the guess. Jillian Robertson thing, because I feel like now I want to see more of Yulia because your your main point here is maybe this is a turning point for Yulia. I agree. I think this was a turning point for her. Um, as far as Molly, though, what are you doing with Molly? Because what I'm doing with her is matching her very carefully for one more fight. And if she loses that fight, that would be three in a row. And I wouldn't seriously consider putting her uh, back in Cage Warriors or in, um, what do you call, uh, Invicta, wherever.
2: Uh, it's, it's probably got more to do with not putting her not featuring her as as heavily as part of the marketing and, and promotional elements of the event because i think having that spotlight that pressure maybe that's it Am i gotta ease up on that for a bit you know maybe she'll i don't know maybe that's what's going on you know you're kind of rushing her a little too fast i i, I kind of feel like None of the advancement that she had made, none of the prominence that she's gotten um, in terms of the promotional aspects of it. Like we want to see everybody get more shine. I just feel like if it's not commensurate to what your talent level is, you're going to see a lot of people turn on you. You know, we saw a lot. Look at how people were reacting. That Oh, she's so dumb. Look at how she dove into that armbar. Like, dude, that's not dumb. She just got submitted by somebody who was way, way better with submissions. And they're both trained professionals. Like you can think what you want about How uh, whether or not they're 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 you don't think that they're on an elite level? Fine, I I say that. But Jesus Christ, you know, just the way people turn on you if you get a bit of an ascent that fans don't feel to be earned in some weird nebulous way, that that leads to that and that adds to that pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like now she's looking at these last two losses and going like, well, shit, you know, have I lost it? Have I? Am I not? You know, what's, what's going, what's, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? Like that stuff, that pressure is tremendous and that can break somebody. So I'm really thinking that, you know, slow walk her a little, don't have her in a co-main event. Don't even have her in the main card if you don't have to, you know what I mean? Like she's not in title contention. She's not, you know what I mean? It's like, we don't need to force that, that square peg into the round hole.
1: Yeah, but you you said something there. We need um they they moved her along too fast. Yulia Stoliarenko was not moving her along too fast. That was giving her a softball. This, yeah, a
2: they thought they were be- they were gambling on that being yeah. a rebound. Yeah. I mean,
1: and Yulia had a lot of losses going into that. Like recent, you know, yep. in five fights, four losses. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that was supposed to be her slow roll, mm-hmm. and wow, she totally fumbled the ball there. Now I'm not going to say Molly is terrible. Um, I am going to say she has a ceiling and it's not very high. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, exactly. and Molly is not young either. She is beyond the age of 30. So there's a limited window there already. Now there is something to uh, to for else for us to talk about here with this particular fight because molly has said she is going to drop down to straw weight that is not going to fix your problem it is not a problem of size
2: no. it is
1: a problem of skill specifically when you get on the fucking ground and your fight iq that is the problem
2: this is this is like I remember like when Mike Dolce was talking about he can get Roy uh, Nelson down to middleweight. <laughs> and the very first thing in the comments, I remember reading that and people, everybody was right on the money. Like, yeah, you could do that. Number one, that's not that much of a flex because the guy's got a lot of fat on him. Like, I mean, please. Yeah, you, you could you could get him on. Like, or is it really that uh, uh, impressive to claim that? I don't know. But number two, he's still going to have the same deficiencies. He's still going to be foot slow. He's still going to be super reliant on that one-punch power. You know, like you don't immediately just – everything does not transform just because you change weight classes. Look at Paul Craig. I had my doubts coming in. He seemed to have quitted himself very well. I don't know how sustainable this is going to be for him. I hope he's staying closer to fight weight now that he's going to be uh, staying at at 185 if he stays there. But um, it doesn't work for everybody, man
1: it certainly doesn't all right before we get into our picks for this weekend's amazing fight lineups i have two things the first is that our bonus content is an amazing interview that victor did with maxwell Kalu from african warriors fighting championship Um, so you will want to stick around for that after we finish with our fight preview. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is I got another question for you and I, I have to give you this question. So this comes from Jabba the first hut. And if you want to at him, it's Jabba the one, the number one hut. Okay. He says, Should the founding fathers have gone with the turkey instead of the bald eagle?
2: Hmm, no, because then we'd have to venerate it as sacred. And then you'd have a thing where we can't eat turkey because it's the national bird and blah, blah, blah. And that's all that other shit. And I don't know about you, bro. I fucking love turkey. So, no, I would never eat a bald eagle just because it, aesthetically it doesn't seem pleasing. And it seems like so much work. I mean, good God, turkeys are dry enough. You imagine having a roasting eagle? Like How much meat can you really get off of that? That would be like, how much work would that be? You got to put it in a pressure cooker and all that. You got to deal with the talons. No, 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 no. You got to get bull cutters to cut, chop the, the, the talons off of that fucking thing.
1: How are you going to uh, catch it? The whole point of turkey is that it's accessible because they're flightless birds.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you shoot an eagle in the head, it's not going to be too fucking get... nimble either at that point.
1: People shooting an eagle, eagles are pretty fast flyers. There are no peregrine falcons or anything, but it's kind of hard to shoot an eagle in the head. Yeah, they they good. I they know, good. I know they make some good good long range sights and things like that. But I just think it would be a lot harder to and, and there's much fewer. You know, you could not breed eagles in captivity like that. I mean, I, I guess you could, but they would probably shred each other if you put them in a, a mass. Uh, you know, a mass feeding area or anything like that. You know, the way that they do chickens and things like that. It's pretty gross. But Probably. Anyways, I just think it would be a lot harder to eat Bald the Eagle because of all of the, uh, the logistics of it. All right. So we are going to get into our picks and we are going to start because there's a lot of cards. We have selected three to take a look at. And there's only going to be one fight we're looking at from the Bellator Rising card, and that is A.J. McKee taking on Patricio again.
2: I know. I know, know, right? Isn't that cool? It's
1: so awesome.
2: I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) Ah, yes. I'm going with A.J. McKee.
1: Yeah, I am too. Um, I feel like Patricio is finally starting to show a little bit of wear and tear. He has spent almost his whole career in Bellator and is basically, uh, in my eyes, he's the face of Bellator right now. I, I For a while there, I thought it was going to be AJ McKee, but they don't seem to put as much promotion behind all of their champions And this has been something that I've always had beef with with the UFC, too. But, you know, if if you've got champions and you want them to to shine and put asses in seats, give them a little bit of marketing push. And I don't I don't know. I just think that uh, AJ McKee hasn't been properly marketed.
2: No. But then again, I mean, Bellator is very content to stick with what they've got. I don't feel like they're doing much in terms of like, if you don't know about them, if you're not following them, it's like, Hey man, cool. No problem. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) look, we're on showtime man. you got showtime. That's it. Like it would be nice. I don't know that their business model really depends on that. I get it. I, maybe they're just making the same money either way, but fuck, it would be really, really nice. If more people saw the good that Bellator has to offer. And they are so much they've turned things around so much in the last few years it's like come on they they really just why why can't they do it
1: and the thing is is if they would bother to do the bare minimum they probably wouldn't be in the financial hot water that they're in seeking buyers and trust me Bellator's gonna get sold and that sucks you know well, i'm
2: i'm 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 still i don't know man i still have like a lot of questions on how that's gonna go
1: well apparently the asking price is somewhere around 300 million so it's very affordable for the right person mm. so in any yeah. event it's gonna be a good fight uh mookie is also taking aj mckee and i am as well Um, then we're going to go ahead and jump into UFC. What is this? Two ninety one.
2: Two ninety one. Yeah.
1: Yes. Two ninety one. Wow. And, uh, first fight that we're going to look at is Michael Chiesa taking on Kevin Holland. We have two grapplers here. Kevin Holland. Hmm. I've been back and forth on this. I have. I'm taking Michael Chiesa here, but I'm not totally, totally confident. Because Kevin Holland, he has this ability to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat sometimes. Um, yeah, fuck. Mm-hmm. Michael Chiesa hasn't looked his best lately either. Victor, how are you going here?
2: i I don't know that I can trust Kevin Holland. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's my thing. I love watching the dude fight, but sometimes, you know, yeah, he's got that a- fight,
1: IQ, fight IQ problem, right?
2: Kiss has got more like he can be a bit of a loose cannon, too, but he's a much more reliable grappler. And again, that flypaper approach, man, it's tough to beat. You know, it's like you get this motherfucker off me is is not a pleasant situation. So um, I I think I'm just going to go with Kiss on this one. I know I'm going to probably regret it. Kevin Holland's probably going (laughs) to go out there guns blazing and put him on his ass. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm still I'm still going to go with Kiss on this.
1: You know how I know I've been up a lot and on very little sleep, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I said that Holland can snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. You know but what he I can do
2: f- that too. You
1: know what I was trying to say though.
2: I know what you were trying to say. I was to trying say. to That's say
1: okay. he was he could snatch. Um...
2: You're right on both though. <laughs> it makes sense. Man. Don't worry.
1: Don't stay up all night trying to watch an an annoy fight, because you will regret it later on in the day. (laughs) Okay, so anyways, yeah, he can snatch victory, he can snatch a loss, you get where I'm going with this, he's he's very unpredictable. (laughs) In any event, I'm going to take Kiesa, but I'm not real confident. Mookie is also taking Kiesa. All right, we're moving into Tony Ferguson versus Bobby Green. I hate this fight so much. I wish Tony would just fucking retire, but I know why he can't. <laughs> because the UFC pays peanuts. That's why. Um, I am taking Bobby Green. Mookie is taking Bobby Green. I'm sure you're probably going to take him too, because what do you do with Tony Ferguson at this point? He is a shell of himself.
2: I ain't got no fucking choice, man. Yeah, I got to pick Bobby Green.
1: All right. Now we get to a fun fight here. Steven Thompson against Michelle Paeta. Oh, my goodness. I think this is going to be super fun fight. Might even be fight of the night. Um, Steven Thompson. Boy, he's a mixed bag, especially lately. Hmm. I don't know which way to go, but I, I'm sort of leaning Michelle per You might be able to change my mind. I don't know. Uh, Mookie is also taking payada. So, uh, talk, talk to me, tell me if I should, if I should go ahead and go with Steven Thompson or not. I
2: I'm going to go with Steven Thompson. Why? I think he, I don't know. I, I think he's got more like, um, I think he's got that patience you know i think he's uh, probably been in there and seen a lot of crazy shit you know there's some guys that are just able to nullify the acrobatics that michelle brings and i think that that sort of thing those guys those guys start making things a little tougher so i'm um, i i think that's really where it's going to be from
1: all right I am not gonna take Stephen Thompson. <laughs> Still, you didn't okay. convince me. All right, we get to the co event. Alex Pajeda taking on Jan. big Yan Blahovich. Mm. I don't think Alex Pajeda is is gonna be able to do this. I came close to picking him, but until Big Yon shows me he's not Big Yan, I'm picking Big Yan. Mookie is also taking
2: Big Yon. It's really hard to pick against him. Bohovic just does great in so many of these like yeah, look. He's got he's got the grappling down, he's got the strength. I mean, I gotta see what Alex does at this new weight class against this behemoth of a man. I'm curious to how that goes. I wanna see him do some work, but I don't know that uh I don't know that he's got the kind of um he certainly he's got the firepower, but he's, he seems like he's got some limitations where Jan is able to recognize his game and exploit some of the weaknesses there. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes.
1: Also, I got to say, you know, the picture, the video that came out last week of Ale- um, Alex and um, Glover and they're wrestling in the river. You saw that, right? I did. Yeah. OK. Everybody's like. They love their friendship look at them they're besties they're trying to kill each other in the river no they were probably practicing some form of grappling in the river for cardio purposes what have you i don't think they just jumped in the river and started wrestling i really feel that might have been part of a training regimen eh, maybe Who knows? I'll have to, I'll have to put out some feelers somewhere for the next person that interviews Alex or Glover to ask that, because to me, it just seemed like maybe they were doing some sort of training there. Don't know. I I might be putting too much into that, but that's how I was looking at it. Anyway, we must move on. We are at the main event. Dustin Poirier taking on Justin Gaethje. Dustin versus Justin. I'm taking Poirier. I am the world's biggest Dustin Poirier fan. Sorry, Sandy Pants. I love you. We, can be, we could be co-chairs of that. How about that?
2: I'm going to go with Poirier. I think that they've both gotten better since they last fought, but Dustin still fights smart. Mm-hmm. He's still capable of killing the body. He's still capable of exiting from the um, forward blitzes that Justin is uh, capable of launching and making sure that he protects himself well, out getting out from the pocket in those exchanges so he doesn't get caught the way he, that Justin managed to catch Edson Barboza. Um yeah, I that's pretty much what I got. So I'm going to go with Poirier.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Poirier. Mookie is going with Poirier. Um, Justin Gaethje has improved a little bit. I, I will give him that. But yeah. he also is still able to be trapped a little bit in big brawling exchanges. And when you get when you entice him in, when you get him in the phone booth, All form of defense drops. He drops his hands. He stops head movement. He keeps his head literally on a straight line. He stops moving his feet. He plants wide stance and starts swinging. That's it. There is no rhyme or reason. It's really easy to entice him that way. And that's not the best strategy against someone like Dustin, who, as you very astutely noted, mixes it up. He goes to the body and to the head. Justin, excuse me, is almost exclusively a headhunter. He does do kicks, though. I will give him that. He's a good, good kicker. But when he punches, he almost exclusively headhunts. And that is why I won't pick him. Um, I love him. I love his fight style. But again, that fight style, we are often enamored of a guy that's willing to get in the trenches and just go for broke. That doesn't lend itself to a long career, though. And I don't want to see Justin, like, fall off the way that Tony Ferguson has. No, and I like the idea that he's already got the 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 exit doors in sight. He said it many times in interviews that he doesn't want to keep going like this, and I I salute him for that. I hope he does get out with all of his faculties intact. So, anyways, I am taking Poirier. I'm not saying Justin can't do it. Absolutely, he can. These are two violence gods. They're going to throw it down, pick it up, and throw it down again. But I, I have to take Poirier. I, I think he's got this. So, And Mookie is also taking Poirier. And I do want to note, Mookie also predicted rounds. So I'm going to give you his predictions in full now. He is predicting that Dustin Poirier will knock out or technically knock out Justin Gaethje in round number three. He is predicting a TKO or KO in round number two for Big Yawn. He is predicting a unanimous decision for Pajeda over Steph- uh, Stephen Thompson. Another unanimous decision for Green over Ferguson. He thinks Michael Chiesa will get a submission in round number two, and AJ McKee will knock out Patricio in round number two. Now we're going to pick our final fight. It is a boxing match. One of the most anticipated fights of probably the last three years, four years. It is. Bud Crawford taking on Errol Spence. I cannot wait for this fight. I have wanted this fight for so long. I'm actually almost holding my breath for it to get here. If This is the point where you say bubble wrap them both. Even though they are not prone to injury, I would just like them bubble wrap because I've waited so long for this fight that if anything happens to it, I am going to throw everything in my house out onto the street. I will be that crazed. (laughs) So in any event, I am taking Bud Crawford um, and I'm taking him because he has power and he has late round power too. Like he will box you up for six or seven rounds and then deliver like the most crushing liver shot and put you on your ass. But he has late round power and that to me is going to be the difference maker in this fight. Mookie is also taking Bud Crawford and he has this as a unanimous decision I personally think Bud might finish him somewhere I'm gonna go round eight Victor
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, Crawford
1: All right And Victor's going with Bud because he's smart That's why
2: Not saying Spence
1: can't get it done. He absolutely can.
2: You give me way too much credit. I, I don't know about that. Let's not let's not be that let's not be that effusive with our praise here.
1: I just think this is Bud's fight. That's all. Anyways, on that note, we're gonna wrap things up for our Free subscribers if you're a paid subscriber stick around because victor's excellent excellent interview with maxwell Kalu from african warriors fighting championship will be coming up next for those of you that are not paid subscribers now is your chance get over there and press that subscribe button to access the bonus content of this show you must be a paid subscriber to do that Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. Also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.